But handled by Johnson. Johnson is three-point territory, but guarded tightly. Johnson cuts left, now fires a three, and it's good! And he's fouled! It's tough! Welcome back to the podcast, ladies and gentlemen, here at Fill the Lane, live from Tallahassee, Florida. Wonderful guest here today, good friend of the podcast, Nate Friedel, resident Clevelandite, huge Cavs fan, huge LeBron fan. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing awesome. I'm excited to be here. Huge fan of the podcast, and uh, I finally got an invitation extended to me to join and could be happier to talk, uh, talk some NBA AKA the best pro sports organization there is. Uh, talk some awards, end of the year stuff. It's gonna be awesome. Yeah, um, we got about a week left of the regular season, and then we have playoffs uh, for the next like two months following, and of course all the awards being given out. And you know, obviously the whole season's been focused around the two man race for the MVP, but we're not gonna talk about that right away. We're gonna two start... man, two man. Hey man, <laughs> which gonna... two man are we talking about here? <laughs> Tune in later to find out. So, Nate, who do you have for your coach of the year? I have the Rockets head coach, Coach Mike D'Antoni, for my coach of the year. Uh, He was able to do basically with the same team that the Rockets had last year a a tremendous job. They went 500 last year, going 41 and 41. Uh, And now this year, they're the three seed in the West, right behind the Warriors and the Spurs. And they're winning at least 55, 57 games this year, which is a tremendous jump. Um, He made the huge switch and, and the choice to move. James Harden from shooting guard to point guard, uh, which is a bold move and could have backfired because it's outside of his comfort zone and whatnot. James Harden went with it and it's paid off huge dividends. Uh, and even though they don't get talked about in championship talks enough, they are a championship contender uh, and they were barely scratching an eight seed last year. Uh, so he's been able to turn that program around in one year alone uh, and it's been cool to see. Yeah. Um, so. Obviously, anyone who's been following the podcast, I've I've had D'Antoni, good stretch of the season, uh, as my coach of the year candidate, and then over the past couple weeks, um, Eric Spolster's worked in there. Definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he's basically this is the first time he's had players that work in his system since Phoenix. Um, obviously, James Harden being the predecessor to seven seconds or less. Um, but after that, he went and coached out in New York, unfortunately, with the Knicks, and Carmelo Anthony doesn't play fast-paced basketball. And then, uh, you know, he went out to Los Angeles and coached with the Lakers, uh, basically following the money rather than following players that fit his scheme. Um, like like you are saying, he's turned this team around, I think, probably like a 14-win increase, which is really impressive. Um but my only thing is, is, I think it's a huge reason um, behind the personnel that he has. Um, you know, obviously, like, it's hard to discredit. And you know, obviously, he's going to be considered for coach of the year, might win it. Um, my guy that I, I like, and everyone, it's the, the same old he should win it every single year argument because he's arguably the best coach in the league, Mr. Gregory Popovich. I don't. Uh, I don't think that's arguable. I think it's pretty unanimous that he is the best coach in the league. Yeah, it's. I mean, he's gonna take the Spurs sixty wins again. They had one All Star. Uh, they lost Tim Duncan, who was the face face of the franchise for the past like twenty years. Um, they've made the playoffs and had over fifty wins every single year since he's taken over as the coach. Um, it, it's it's unbelievable, and you know you have the corpse of Tony Parker playing point guard. Uh, and I think he's losing out on minutes now uh, to Patty Mills, which, you know, it should be. It's just going to be difficult to see how far they go in the playoffs with their crunch time because their big man really don't have someone um, that's a really strong interior defender. Uh, both Powell and LaMarcus Aldridge are good on the offensive side of the ball, um, but they will struggle against even Nikola Jokic if they end up playing uh, the Denver Nuggets. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. It's hard to argue with, with Pop being uh, coach of the year. Um, these past what, maybe five or so years, we've talked about how they're getting older, especially in relation to Tim Duncan and just going downhill as far as age goes. And now Tim Duncan's gone. We were like, oh, well, what's going to happen? And he's still um, still winning 60 games every year uh, with a team with only one all-star and with guys who would not be anywhere near as great as they are if, if it weren't for Popovich and his system. Um, 
And so he, as always, has done an amazing job and is deservedly a Coach of the Year candidate. Yeah, it's so the thing with um, Eric Spolstra, the argument behind that. So I, I said, uh, I think last week actually, that I really liked him for Coach of the Year. My only thing is, like, now that I've actually sat down, read into it more, and looked at previous winners and all of that, you can't have someone win Coach of the Year when they're not even winning 50 games. Like, or even in the playoffs. <laughs> yeah, they might be under 500, and they might not make the playoffs. I mean, I understand. He's done an amazing job down there, and he's really shown that he is a good coach, not just, you know, LeBron's puppet as we have with our Cleveland coaches. Um, but, you know, when you have James Johnson and you turn him into a max contract player, um, Hassan Whiteside, Tyler Johnson, obviously not having Justice Winslow and Josh Richardson have hurt them. Um, but you have to win more games than that. And obviously between uh, D'Antoni and Popovich, I, I really feel they um, crossed that threshold. You, you know, Do you have a take on that? No, definitely. I mean, Spolstra, there's been a lot of doubt surrounding him. as Is he only successful because he had LeBron, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh? Um, and a lot of people have really questioned how great of a coach he is. And even in the beginning of this year, they were terrible, uh, somewhere around like 250 win percentage throughout the first you know, third of the season or whatnot. And then they went through that incredible streak. Uh, and so he's proven a lot of people wrong and that he is a, a worthy coach and he's done a great job. But once again, I mean, I hate using arbitrary num- arbitrary things, but he's not winning 50 games. He's almost guaranteed to not be in the playoffs. It's hard to, to make your coach of the year someone that's not even going to be in the playoffs. Uh, and so if he continues to do an amazing job and further the program and they end up having more success this year or next year than they did this year I'd love to see him in the conversation for next year but I just can't put him there this year yeah so obviously our choices here are between uh D'Antoni and Popovich I I mean as much as I love Pop um you know the media doesn't like always giving people the same award as we can see Charles Barkley and Karl Malone won MVP in the 90s when Michael Jordan should have won it during those years it was kind of a uh media having their opinion we, um. we can talk more about that when we talk about the MVP conversation later because I got some good stuff there. All right. So, Defensive Player of the Year. So, we've had Kawhi Leonard win back-to-back. He's been one of the first wing, de- wing defenders in a while to win a... I think I saw that 10 of the last 12 winners have been true big men. And I'm, I mean, the two that weren't were Kawhi in these two recent years. So, that would make the last decade before that true big men like Dwight Howard. Yeah, Dwight Howard uh, won Tyson. three in a row, right? Um, and this would be Kawhi's third in a row. Um, who do you have for your defensive player of the year? This is interesting. Um, <laughs> I'll just go ahead and say I have Draymond winning this year, uh, which is a huge bullet to bite because those of you that know me know I absolutely despise the Warriors. Respect what they've done and they are currently doing and are going to do in the future, mm-hmm. uh, but despise them. Uh, Draymond, though, it's it's undeniable uh, just, just how impactful he is on both ends of the floor, but specifically defense. Um, so the first thing is that Kawhi and Draymond have been neck and neck these past, this is the third year now, basically, and, and Kawhi's gotten the nod the last two years, uh, and, he, and he probably should have two years ago, I think last year was really close and was, a, it was like a coin flip, and now, and now this year, um, I think that Draymond should get it, not just because, oh, Kawhi's got the last two years, it's Draymond's turn, I don't like that. But I think that he, um, one, he's made it a point and he's vocalized how much he wants this award. Uh, And that is typically regarded as a selfish thing, but I think that's an exception for Defensive Player of the Year. Uh, Because as Defensive Player of the Year, if you're striving to get that award, I mean, you're helping your teammates by playing defense. It's not, oh, I'm trying to win the MVP, I'm trying to do it all myself. Uh, When you're you're striving to get Defensive Player of the Year, it's only a good thing. Uh, And you're striving to be the best defensive player on the court every every single day, no matter who you're playing. he, I've, I looked up, I saw Kawhi and the Spurs are actually eight points better per 100 possessions when Kawhi is off the floor than when he is on the floor, which is extremely surprising. Um, and that's not to say that Kawhi is not having a great year. He's having an amazing year, just like he has each of the last two years. But the Spurs are eight points better uh, when he's off the floor. And so, you know, nobody can really put a, put a finger as to why that is. I have a, I have a take. Okay, go ahead. This is a quick kind of sarcastic take. How about when Kawhi's off the floor, the other team's best player is also off the floor? 
Definitely. Boom. Um, Hot takes. So, so, so Kawhi, and, and, and this is also due to Pop's amazing coaching, um, Kawhi is almost always on the floor when the other team's best player is on the floor, and then when the other team's best player is, player is off the floor, Kawhi comes off too. And, and he's day in and day out guarding the best player on, on every team. Uh, which is another huge thing for Kawhi and Draymond. I think Defensive Player of the Year, um, as cool as it is to see like three blocks a game or uh, a big man just dominating the paint and not letting anyone in there, I think a, a huge advantage for people like Draymond and Kawhi is they can guard anyone, any position. Um, you put someone like Rudy Gobert, who's also in Defensive Player of the Year talks, out on the three-point line, and people are going to have their way with him, especially people like Steph Curry and Russell Westbrook. Uh, but you can't do that with Draymond and Kawhi. They're going to go out there, and they're going to guard you just as well as they would inside the paint, two feet away from the hoop. Uh, they can guard you anywhere, and they can guard any position, one through five. Um, and so I think that they should get a huge nod uh, with respect to Defensive Player of the Year simply because of that. Yeah, it's it's been interesting, as you said before. Uh, previous 10 years uh, to Kawhi's quote-unquote reign um, was true big men, and I would say before that there was not as much uh, basketball analytics, and as we've seen that, um, I think I want to say the year before Kawhi won, um, Mark Gasol won the award, and he won it like almost strictly off of just defensive analytics and like how good he was defensively, and it, it's been really interesting to see. Um, but with that being said, I know you just kind of jabbed at the guy I like. Um, I really like Rudy Gobert. Don't get me wrong, I've liked Kawhi. Um, but I've looked into the analytics on it, and you know, feel free if you guys want to dig deeper. I'm not going to try and go over everybody's head with some of these stats. But Rudy Gobert is head and shoulders above every single other player, uh, statistically, uh, defensively, with these analytics. And you know, he's been the anchor for this Jazz team, and it's been a huge difference this year. Um, like you said, his real weakness is going to be uh, guarding outside by the three-point line. Um, and then on the other side, which, you know, isn't for this discussion, but he just can't shoot free throws yet. Uh, but, I mean, he's averaging close to three blocks a game. He's stopping anybody on the inside. And you have to think, when you have a guy in there that's like 7'3", and you're Russell Westbrook or you're James Harden, two guys that are notorious at going to the basket, he's going to be in your head that, oh shit, like this guy is going to send it the other way if I go even close. And and it's something that you can't show statistically, but that's why with these analytics you're seeing that the Jazz, when he's on the floor, um, there's such a lower majority of shots taken within 10 feet of the basket because Gobert is there as such a presence, and you know it's an easier shot the closer you get for most people. Um, But it's really hard to measure it. And that's why I think Gobert is going to get it. A lot of people are thinking more analytically. Um, however, with some discussions, they're not, which kind of throws me. It's kind of old school still, and I like it. I don't want analytics to completely take over because you can't measure everything. Um, team coordination um, is a huge thing that you can't really measure and like how players play together chemistry-wise. And I think that's a huge reason why we see... Um, you know Draymond playing so well defensively is because that unit has played together. They've played so tight, and it allows him, like you said, to switch onto anybody. And that's a, right. a huge part of their defense. And team defense is so important. Uh, you really can't switch Gobert. Um, but does does it matter when you have a guy guarding the inside ten feet of the basket? Um, obviously, you know Kawhi is the third in this discussion. Uh, he's won it two years in a row. His defensive numbers have come down a little bit. Um, I mean, he's probably still, because he has had to pick up slack on the offensive end. Yeah, he's so. he's amazing. He's one of the best two. I, I he's the second best two way player in the game, Agreed. just because LeBron is so good on the offensive end. I mean, Kawhi's coming. He's coming really hard for it. And you know, LeBron's underrated defensively. He's never won Defensive Player of the Year, but he's been all defense a couple of times. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, he's gotten his recognition there. And I mean, I, don't get me wrong. I love Kawhi. Um, I, I still look at the clip from earlier in the season when they were playing the Kings and he was guarding uh, Ben McLemore and McLemore brings up the ball and Kawhi just takes it and just goes down and dunks. Next possession, <laughs> give McLemore the ball. Kawhi's like, okay. And takes it again, dunks again. Yeah, no, that was an amazing highlight. And I can definitely respect that choice and wouldn't be mad if Gobert were to win it at all. I mean, the Jazz are a four seed, I think, in the West. Uh, 
and maybe the most surprising team this year. And a huge part of that is because of Gobert's efforts, uh, not just defensively, but offensively, which is cool to see, but but specifically pertaining to defense, having that um, presence in the paint that everybody's aware of and everybody fears um, is, is huge. Uh, I think Gobert leads in blocks per game. If not, he's he's you know uh, right up there. Uh, and uh, I know things are, aren't all about numbers, but I'm pretty sure that Draymond leads in steals per game, which is really interesting um, because that's typically a guard or especially a point guard that uh, that holds that title. Um, and obviously, he's a power forward, and so. I think a big reason for that, that he's able to steal the ball so much is because he's always on the ball. Uh, point guards bring the ball up the court, so the other team's point guard gets to cover the ball so much and, and defend the ball, and that's why they do get a lot of steals, as long as, as, long as, as well as being like really quick and whatnot. But Draymond's always on the ball. He's got that on-ball presence. He's everywhere. And a huge part of that is because the Warriors are able to switch, and they do have other great defenders like Klay Thompson, uh, which maybe Rudy doesn't have. Um, but uh, I guess that would be just to further the argument there. So. Yeah, no, it's it's going to be between the three. I'd be absolutely shocked if somebody else came in there and won it. Um, I don't really know who else you could argue for. I mean, I know some Miami fans that are crazy and think Hassan Whiteside deserves to be in this, but, you know, there's a reason you're on a boat down in Miami. Um, anyway, so what would you like to talk about next? Most improved or sixth man of the year? Oh, man, let's do... Or, or rookie of the year. I'll give you three choices. Let's let's do uh, most improved. Okay, who do you got? Who's your most improved? Okay, so I <laughs> and you're gonna think I'm crazy when I initially say this, but I have Russell Westbrook as my most improved player. Um, and and basically immediately I want you point you guys back to um, a decent amount of people last year genuinely wanted Steph to not only win MVP but to also win most improved player. Um, and there was a great argument for it. I mean, I mean, Steph's point production went up around six to seven points last year. I think he shot a little bit better from three as well as made a ton more threes mm-hmm. and whatnot. And, and he had improved a lot, even though I think his assist numbers did go down just a tiny bit. Um, Russell Westbrook has improved this year more than Steph Curry did last year. Um, Russell Westbrook's points are up eight points a game uh, this year. His rebounds are up three uh, from from last year, uh, and some of that is obviously due to KD being gone. His usage rate has been out the roof, and he has had to do it all. Um, but I mean, the fact remains that his numbers are improved more than Steph's were last year, and people genuinely wanted Steph to win last year. Um, and so I know it's crazy because he's also in the MVP talks. But I mean, once again, Steph was last year, and so I think uh, numbers wise, uh, Russell has the most improved numbers um, and I would like to see him win a most improved mostly because I don't think he'll be winning MVP and so I do want him to get some consolation of a reward for his triple double season because he also won't be seeing the NBA finals so (laughs) okay so right away so anyone that knows me knows that I love basketball statistics I love advanced analytics right all right so Kevin Durant's gone right so he's going to be playing more minutes and having the ball more with a higher usage rate he's actually has the highest usage rate of all time out of any other player even beyond 06 cyborg 36 points per game Kobe and he's also doing things that have only been done once before so. yeah once once before when I was the guy guarding Oscar Robertson not these freak athletes get out of here Oscar Robertson's triple double doesn't mean anything to me I'm sorry I want him to come on here and argue me because that'd be that'd be awesome but you know that'll never happen anyway so fun fact before I go into my most improved I'm just gonna kind of get a little bit of knock to that Russell Westbrook stuff sure go ahead so if you look at the per like per 36 or like per minute statistics on like what he's averaging compared to last year if he would have been playing the same amount of time and had the ball um you know, he would have the same statistics. His his like per minute and like the splits are like really close. I mean, they might be like improved by like like a little bit, but not by like a tremendous amount. And it, it, it's hard because last year CJ McCollum won Most Improved Player. Reason he won it is because it was the first year he was averaging like over thirty minutes a game. Because before he was just a role player wasn't getting a lot of time they're like oh we're giving this guy minutes now he's gonna score well hell yeah if he's playing four minutes the season before and it's and it's not as dramatic that's that's often that's often going to be the case people that have improved numbers are often going to be playing more minutes and that's that's in huge part probably 
because they earned them and they earned them because they improved. And so, yeah. so that at the same time, it, it can be used as a knock. It can also be as, used as, well, they earned those minutes uh, because they've improved. And so that's why they are playing more minutes. So. Yeah. And, and, that's, and that's kind of, so that's my stance on it, which is why I have Giannis Antetokounmpo as my most improved player. I like player. it. I do. He's playing the same minutes. He has almost the same usage rate. And he is leading the Bucks in every single freaking statistical category. This six eleven man, he's a point guard. Like, <laughs> what's going on? It's ridiculous. He, you know, he's. I think he's averaging a little bit over twenty points, and then like I think it's like seven and seven and two steals and two blocks. Like, yeah, insane no. numbers. And he's the point guard. Like, it's ridiculous. Obviously, he can't shoot threes, but he's improved to like twenty nine percent. <laughs> yeah. Which is definitely, yeah, uh, and he, you know, it's crazy because I think I think while most people are aware that he is leading the Bucks in every statistical category, which I'm not sure if it's been done before. If it has, it's it's insane, like how how often it's n- that's not the case. Um, but uh, and people aren't giving him, I think, as much credit as he should get, uh, and so I can respect that. Um, and I'm really interested interested to see what he does in these next few years as well as he continues to just uh, you know age and become more mature and learn the game even better. Uh, so that'd be really cool to see. Uh, but I, I and, and I get the argument for Russell's uh, numbers if you're using advanced analytics, maybe not act, how much is he actually like quote unquote improved. Um, but I don't know. It's hard to it's hard to argue like if his numbers are yeah. going up that much. Um, there are very valid reasons for it, uh, but the, the jump is crazy uh, between this year and last year. Yeah, I, I mean, I love Giannis. Um, I've written about him. Um, I own a jersey. I've committed. Uh, he was first-time All-Star this year, started the All-Star game. I, I would argue he deserves to be on first-team All-NBA. He's a monster. And so I guess we'll probably talk about that in a little bit, but who? so you, t- you take who off from the first team. Uh, first team All NBA for me would be Harden, Russell, LeBron, Giannis, and um, Rudy Gobert. Okay, I see. And then so like Kawhi wouldn't would go down to second team or something like that. Yeah, or vi- or vice versa. And that's the thing is like he never made an All NBA team before, and him making that um, is obviously huge. If you make an All NBA team, there's a new uh, provision in the CBA that you can make like seventy million more dollars or something. Which is, like, <laughs> A huge thing between uh, Gordon Hayward and Paul George, who are both going to be free agents, right? Um, and I know it's a huge like media thing. Like people are legitimately feeling bad that if they don't vote for the guy, we're costing this guy seventy million dollars. And I know Bill Simmons made the joke. He's like, "Oh, Paul George better be uh, sending me some fruit baskets. I'll throw a vote his way. My votes, my votes available to be bought." Um, but yeah, with Giannis, like you're saying, how his improvement is, he's massively improved. He uh, he's going to be twenty two. He's 20, it, it, ridiculous. 22 is, I mean, that's basically like us going out there and doing what, doing what he's if, doing. <laughs> yeah, if you take, okay, so like six years from now, could you imagine, he might average a triple-double, suck it, Russell Westbrook. I would love to see it, he, I would love to see it. I definitely think Giannis is going to be a future MVP. He has the potential. I think, you know, I'm going to get on the hype train and say the Bucks are going to be the, they're going to be the first team to win a title without LeBron in the East. In like the last whatever years, yeah, and I, you know, the thing is, is it's gonna be hard to get by LeBron, but the young Bucks, man, they got Malcolm Brogdon, who's a Rookie of the Year candidate. They have uh, Thon Maker, who's coming out of the retirement home to donate his time to play for the Bucks. Jabari, Jabari's, you know, if he stays healthy, I don't know what they're gonna do with that. And then, and then they have my boy out of Sickles High School, John Henson, John uh, the Man Henson, who might be the only person more than Gobert that's an inside presence and people fear. John Henson. Hey man, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, all right, so now we got Rookie of the Year or Sixth Man of the Year. Uh, let's do Rookie of the Year. Uh, and I know we had talked about this a little bit before, which is which is cool. But I'm a big believer that Joel Embiid, uh, trust the process, should be the Rookie of the Year. Um, I actually don't have his exact numbers off the top of my head, uh, but I, I'm pretty sure he's averaging over a double-double with over 20 points per game, or right at 20 points per game, uh, which is just insane numbers for a rookie, even though he is a little bit older than the average rookie, uh, to deliver. Um Huge setback being that uh, he's only played 30, 31 games, uh, which, is, which would be by far the least 
if he were to win that any rookie of the year has ever played um, and that is an important uh, important thing to consider um, but he's putting up numbers that rookie of the year winners don't put up uh, I, I I can't imagine too many rookie of the years have ever put up 20 and 10 and, and whatever blocks per game that he's averaging as well I also know that uh, inside the paint he's holding his opponents to the lowest field goal percentage. Uh, Gobert is right there at second with 43%. Embiid holds his opponents to an even lower percentage than that, uh, which is important to consider because a lot of times we only look at the offensive side of things. And so he is that defensive presence that most people don't know him for as well. Uh, so I think that I think that he's done what he needs to to deserve it. All right. Here's the thing. I have a rule, basically where you have to play a specific number of games to be eligible for an award. I have it around 60. Now, that being said, we were just talking about All-NBA. I think about Kevin Durant. He's played 59 games. He should be playing, like, 62. However, if he doesn't, I'll be kind of, like, going against my personal rule. But (laughs) dude played 31 games, and he averaged only, like, 20 minutes a game. Um, And, yeah, he put up remarkable statistics. If you look at the per-36 splits, I think it was, like, 32 15 and 5 right just insane it's, it's, it, yeah and he's like 72 he's like what 260 pounds he can shoot threes plays both ends of the four um he's the evolutionary hakeem olajuwon basically anyone that ever watched hakeem saw the footwork um but i mean the range is something that he has hence the evolutionary um but no you play 31 games that's that's ridiculous that's like saying a pitcher that had four starts in a season oh hey man he should win Cy Young like he had good splits and I know that's a terrible analogy it is it is don't even get me started on that (laughs) Dario Saric Dario Saric is my rookie of the year obviously Malcolm Brogdon is like the only other candidate that's even close we haven't had an amazing rookie class um and that's the thing like it's so hard there's been so many great stories this season uh like coach of the year you could easily say Scott Brooks because he's done so well with the Wizards uh, most improved player, right. you could say Nikola Jokic, because Jokic is getting triple doubles. And right. He's basically coming Bill, out of nowhere. He, he's Bill Walton, basically. He's <laughs> amazing. I love watching him pass. I could watch YouTube compilations for hours of it. Um, but Darius Saric, the teammate. I mean, I want to say he's averaging like seventeen and nine or something. Dude's good. I actually actually wasn't even wasn't even aware of that. He's uh, amazing. That, that he is putting up those numbers. He is the best like guy from Croatia since Tony Kukic. He's, he's, a, he's amazing. And, you know, trust the process. Well, that doesn't just go to Embiid. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Embiid. I want to see him stay healthy because he'll be fun as hell to watch. I was watching 76ers games earlier this year just when Embiid was playing. I would never do that otherwise. I right. hardly ever watch and, just for one player. Right. And that, I mean, you just said yourself, you watch him, you watch Sixers games for Embiid and not Dario Saric. But unfortunately, so. <laughs> I only watched 31 games of it where Saric, who I also got, got to watch, you know, played really well. He's a good 3-4. He has range. He can play inside. And he's, he's a badass, man. Like, he doesn't take, he doesn't take anything from no one. Well... I guess I guess that's impressive that you watched 31 Sixers games because I don't know if I've watched 31 games for for any team. Hey man, <laughs> I never I never said I had a life. <laughs> uh, but uh, Darius Sarich is clearly the inferior player when you compare him to Joel Embiid, and that's not saying he's not great by any means. It's just Joel Embiid is is top of the ladder uh, when it comes to the rookie class. Uh, you know, it stinks because if if he was able to stay healthy, which it seems like he's never able to do, then this wouldn't even have to be a discussion, yeah. um, which is interesting. But uh, so unfortunately, it is what it is. It is what it is. You're right. All right, we're gonna do a quick six man of the year. Who you got? Okay, that's good because I don't have much to say. Um, <laughs> I I can only think of two candidates off the top of my head, anyways. But I'm just gonna go with Lou Williams. Uh, Lou Williams. Uh, he didn't really win games. He wasn't a reason for winning games, even though most six men aren't, uh, when he was on the Lakers for the better part of this year. But he was the leading scorer on that team, uh, which is crazy to think about that that a guy coming off the bench, I think he was putting up around 19 points a game uh, for that team, uh, and he wasn't even starting in the rotation. Over to the, the Rockets, uh, where he gets to be uh, in the playoffs and hopefully make some kind of deep run in the playoffs as well and be a, a key role. Uh, for that team and so now uh, even though 
I don't know how much he's actually improved that team because they were great before he got there. Um, that I mean, I just think that's a really interesting uh, story to follow uh, now that he's on the Rockets. And um, I know that I don't know exact numbers, but I know that his numbers have dropped since joining the Rockets, which uh, which is a big hit for him. Yeah, um, yeah I, this is the only one we agree on. Um, <laughs> I love Lou Will, six man like Lou Will. I'm glad we can agree on something. Hey, <laughs> like you said, he came from the Lakers, went to the Rockets, where other six man of the year candidate Eric Gordon. But that's the thing. Right. Um, when you go to a better team and you're going to be playing less minutes and you got to share the ball and not just, you know, high five Jack Nicholson as you're running up and down the court and right. you know playing in the thirty point blowout. It's going to hurt your numbers. Uh, padding statistics is a terrible thing in the NBA, and it seems to be happening more and more often. I've seen videos of it today. <laughs> but that being said, Lou Williams, you're the fill the lane slash sports landing six man of the year. Unanim- Congratulations. <laughs> Unanimously. For, for what that's worth. <laughs> for what it's worth, which is about 35 cents on the dollar. Um, it's something. <laughs> now, here we go. We're going to go into the MVP discussion. Let's As anybody knows, a little bit of foreshadowing here. I've been railing Russell Westbrook the whole year. I like James Harden. This may or may not be because I have a wager on him to win MVP. <laughs> Biased. Um, but besides that, it doesn't matter because I'm not a media member, so I can still <laughs> gamble on it. And I will. But, yes, I have James Harden as my MVP. Um, unfortunately, he hurt his wrist. Um, but he's played every game this season. He's played significant minutes this season. He, he, man, he's averaging, like, what, 28, 8 rebounds and 11 assists. He leads the league in assists. Uh, his numbers have fallen. He's only shooting, like, what, 34% from three now. It's, like, 44, 34, and, like, 83, I think, are his splits. Right. Um, two steals a game. Um, as you are saying earlier with Mike D'Antoni, changing the team I think Harden's just as much of a reason there and if you want D'Antoni to win coach of the year you should want Harden to win the MVP as well is that how it Um, goes it's how it goes man it's all linked (laughs) the Illuminati but I mean like I said he so Tom Haberstroh one of my favorite people to read and listen to came up with this thing called the 25 and 25 James Harden will be the first player ever to average over 25 points a game and also create 25 points a game for his teammates which I think is extremely important because you have to be able to share the ball, and most importantly, you have to win games. We've never had an MVP be on a team under 50 wins. We've never had an MVP, like, it's so it's so hard to not be, I think, Michael Jordan maybe, or no, it was uh, Moses Malone was the last guy under the what three seed to win the MVP and that was in uh, 1978 or something like that it's some crazy number like that it was a long time ago I'll just put it that way granted nobody has averaged a triple double in that time period as well yeah I know but I I just I understand the Russell Westbrook argument I'll say that and I'm not saying he hasn't had an amazing historic year I'm not saying he's not a good player but if you're voting for someone just because they're having triple doubles, you are not making the right argument. Because if you're losing games when you have triple doubles, get well, out of here. Well, they win the games when he has the triple doubles. Not always. Not always. I mean, the record is significantly better, and that makes sense. But when you have games, I mean, obviously, we had games in the past week, both the Dallas game and the Magic game. I don't know if they were back-to-back or apart by a day, but he single-handedly brought them back, and they won the game. Against that argument, in the Magic game, we had Russell Westbrook as the buzzer sounding, going head full of steam, taking a very (laughs) bad three-point shot, falling to his right while being double teamed, and he made it. Oh my gosh, Russell Westbrook made a three, sent it to overtime. (laughs) Yeah, well, he could have missed it. He also had seven turnovers to start the game. I'm telling you, man. It's it's the media saying, oh, this guy's doing something good. Oh, we got to get it. Oh, we got to get it. And if you like... Okay, so if he's not averaging triple double, he's averaging oh, like, thirty one nine and nine. Oh uh, no, not triple double doesn't matter. Obviously, it's not as great because nobody talks about James Harden, who's basically doing that. So, and, and why why does a triple double matter that much? I understand statistics. People are like, oh, triple doubles—they're the best thing in the world. You know what's more impressive? Uh, winning over fifty five games and Definitely. being a title contender. And Thunder aren't a title contender. 
They're going to win 45, 46 games. Right. And, and be out in the first round easily. Yeah. And last year coming out of the playoffs, everyone was like, Steven Adams had a great playoff run. He's going to be one of the next best young centers. Hasn't done anything this year. You know why? Because Russell Westbrook says, oh, I'm going to drive to the basket. Oh, four guys are on me. I should maybe pass it this time. And he gives it to Steven Adams. He's relegated to just boxing out for him so Russell Westbrook can get rebounds. And like I was saying about stat padding, I understand that everyone to some level has padding of statistics. Like getting it at the end of the games, you know, but the thing is, the point to be made is that on, I've watched several videos of it. When they're shooting free throws, or if it's just a rebound off of a missed three, his teammates box out for him and don't get the ball intentionally so Westbrook can get the rebounds. It's, it's, I understand you want the point guard to get the ball and push it and push the pace, and he's one of the fastest players, and he's one of the best transition players since Charles Barkley, arguably. Um, but it's it's still padding. Right, no, I, I 100% agree with that. Uh, his <laughs> stats are being padded, and I think if you're worried about the point guard getting the ball, I think it's even more effective to have the big man get it, throw it to the point guard who's already running down the court, and then that's even more beneficial. Um, and up to this point, I kind of like defended Russell just, just, because, just because he was getting railed. Uh, but I also am not on Team Russell. Uh, Phil mentioned that there are uh, two MVP candidates this year, and I sure hope he was talking about James Harden and LeBron James um, because LeBron James is the NBA uh, MVP, um, and as he is every year. Uh, the big argument against him, uh, even though there are others, is that, you know, okay, we get it, he is the MVP, but he can't win it every single year. Uh, they, say, like, they say, like, the best player can't win the MVP every year. Um, okay. And then they point back to Michael Jordan, as as Phil did earlier, uh, where Michael Jordan was the the best player in the league for at least a decade, uh, and what has five MVPs? Six. Six MVPs. Okay. Um, so he has, uh, I think he has six finals MVPs, five MVPs. What, whatever it is, it's more than we LeBron has. We don't fact has. check. We don't fact check. Okay, here's what I have to say to that. Michael Jordan is the best player to ever play currently, uh, and correct, only has five MVPs or six MVPs or whatever, but that's... That he was the best player, but he wasn't the most valuable player. Michael Jordan won three championships in a row, goes and retires to play minor league baseball, uh, and the Bulls, who won 57 games the year before, won the championship, now go on to win 55 games the next year. Uh, simple math, that is two less games than they won the year before with Michael Jordan. Uh, so you tell me how much value he was really adding to that team. Put this into perspective, we're talking about MVP candidates James Harden and LeBron, who are going to be right at 55 games, uh, really improving their teams. Well, the Bulls won 55 games without Michael Jordan, uh, the best player ever. Uh, so just because he's the best player doesn't mean he's most valuable and therefore shouldn't win the most valuable player every year. That being said, uh, LeBron, uh, LeBron, LeBron, LeBron. Uh, so... I completely see the argument for James Harden, even though I think it is often overstretched. Uh, people make it seem like he plays with D-leaguers. Um, and his teammates are actually, even though he doesn't have any superstar teammates, they are good. Um, and he has, I think, two squads, 10 total guys that put up at least like 8 to 10 points a game, with some much more than that. Uh, so he's getting production from everybody, and some of that is due to him passing the ball to everybody. I get that. Uh, and um, so the other argument against LeBron is that, oh, he has superstar teammates, he has great teammates, and not just one or two, he has great teammates all the way down the line. Uh, so I think there's a difference there between having superstar teammates and having winners. Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving are both amazing players, top 20 in the league, roughly, um, w without LeBron on their team. But before they, before he was on their team, they never had a winning season. They never saw a playoff game, and they were both putting up like 25 points a game and, and Kevin Love over 10 rebounds. Uh, and so I think there's a, there's a difference there that you can't just say, oh, he has these great teammates, so he shouldn't be MVP. Well, they don't win games by themselves. They don't win games without LeBron there. LeBron is the reason that they win. Evidenced by the Cavs, like, I think they're something around like four and twenty-three when he hasn't played the last three seasons, including being winless this season. And he's often sitting out with his trio, not just him. Um, but regardless, they don't win games, and by a lot of metrics, they are the very worst team in the league when he's not playing. On top of that, he's averaging more points this year than he has the last two seasons 
on less shot attempts, shooting 54%. He's averaging two more assists and two more rebounds than he has the last few years, sitting right around 26, 9, and 8 or something like that, which is crazy numbers. Uh, at the same time, the Cavs are championship, legitimate championship contenders. Um, and I think that, that that would be the case um, on whatever team you put LeBron on. And I think he's the only player that you can say that for. Um, I think you put him on the Sixers, and they're not guaranteed to go to the finals, but they're going to go to the conference finals and really put up a fight to make it to that championship. Um, and, and I think that would be the case on whatever team. So as far as true value added, I think that no one even compares to LeBron. Um, at the same time, he's not putting up weenie numbers. He's putting up great numbers uh, right there with his career averages, if not higher, uh, having another amazing year. So I don't know. What do you have to say against some of that? All right. So to kind of argue that, so let's say LeBron leaves the NBA today or at the end of the season. Make it easier. He retires. After winning his fourth ring. Okay. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> don't worry. I'm saving that soundbite of you saying Michael Jordan is the best basketball player of all time. Currently. I said yeah, currently. That's okay. It's okay. It's okay. <laughs> please, please include that part. <laughs> uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to edit out currently. Anyway. Um, so take him off. Do the Cavaliers after he's not LeBron's not another team he's not in the NBA okay Cavs roster stays the same but with no LeBron do they make the playoffs they make the playoffs as a six seed or lower okay but they still make the playoffs correct take James Harden same situation off of the Rockets just with that Rockets roster do they make the playoffs they don't uh, can I expand on that yeah no go ahead okay so so the the Rockets without Harden are worse than the Cavs without LeBron. But the Cavs with LeBron are better than the Rockets with Harden. So I mean, the difference in the gap is is this is if you know not not bigger for James Harden favor. Uh, the Cavs are going to the championship, and a lot of people point to um, or you know not guaranteed, but a lot of people think that they're going to go to the championship. Um, a lot of people point to the the Cavs, the Eastern Conference being easier. There's no true. Uh, no true legitimate competition in the East for the Cavs as opposed to the Warriors will have to go through the Spurs or the Rockets, uh, which is interesting because people say that a lot, but the the Warriors actually haven't had to play the Spurs in the playoffs yet. Um, and I think they played the Rockets when they were like injured, like Patrick Beverly wasn't their best defender, wasn't playing. But anyways, um, and and I want to ask you, why do you think... Why do you think that is? Why do you think the Eastern Conference is is worse? It's because nobody wants to play in the Eastern Conference, including Kevin Durant going to the Warriors instead of a team like the Celtics. Yeah. Because they're afraid of the Cavs, and then and then that get you yeah, that gets used against him, uh, because other people are afraid to play him. All right. So the Rockets are on pace to win what fifty six games, right? Correct. Cavs something aren't, like, aren't like. going to win fifty six games. Um, if they finish four and Rockets, Rockets are better. <laughs> if, if they if they finish four and zero, they'll win fifty five. And if LeBron wasn't worried about winning a championship yes. and didn't rest seven games, they'd be like a sixty win team or close to it. Yes. And what you just said is the key of my argument. He rested seven MVP. games. <laughs> you need to play every um, game, and you're resting. I don't care. I understand why he's resting. I'm I'm all for rest. I I'm about it. I'm not against resting but i am when it's considered in awards and especially when the other guy's putting up basically the same numbers better uh, numbers harden's putting up better numbers in a harder conference quote unquote and but that's the thing i obviously the west is a better conference i think it's definitely um, more top heavy uh, it, all the way through is. though all the way through though i think it's really close it gets a lot closer and that's the thing with the east the east you have the top four teams you have the Cavs, celtics wizards and raptors and then you have, you know... The Hawks? Basically, well, that's the thing. is I have those top four as, like, my four. These teams could possibly play in the conference finals because the Cavs have made it out. I don't even, like... It's hard for title contending purposes. Um, but that rest of the conference, the other, what, 11 teams, they're all really close, you know, in terms of skill. Like, the bottom of that with the between the 6 and the 10 seed, there isn't that much of a difference. Right, I think they're all within two games of each other yeah, or something like that. Yeah, and with the West, that's why it kind of shocked me that Durant went to the Warriors because I was like, why wouldn't you go to the East? It's easier, but it's not easier because you have LeBron, who is the best player in today's NBA, arguably the best player of all time, and 
has had control of this era. I'm going to save that sound clip. <laughs> has had control of this era since he went to Miami. And it's impressive what he's doing. Um, you know, everyone knows I'm not the biggest LeBron fan, but I, I will respect what a player does, and I do respect it. Um, now that I've walked completely to the other side of the room on your point of why the East is a harder com- or a weaker conference, <laughs> um, yeah, it's talent. Um, there's a ton of talent out West, which is hard, especially with the All-Star game. We saw Damian Lillard not be an All-Star, yeah, that's and tough. he was just player of the month. Right. It's ridiculous, and he won't make an All-NBA team. And like, If you look at the All-NBA team stuff, how many of those players from out West? It's going to be a, a great majority. Almost... Really, the only players from the East that will make an All NBA team in my mind will be what LeBron, maybe Paul George, maybe Jimmy Butler, maybe John Wall, Isaiah maybe Isaiah Thomas. Uh, alphabet and Giannis. Okay, two guys for sure, and then like four possible guys. I mean, I grant, I'm pretty sure we're gonna look over somebody. I know that, but think about that. That's quote-unquote, the 15 most important players from this season. It's a snapshot of what the season was, and you only have two guys from a whole conference? I mean, that's that's ridiculous, and it, it is. It's it's top-heavy, and I mean, the East is in its own right kind of top-heavy, but LeBron's had such a dominance, and watching basketball as long as I have, I've only ever seen three guys be able to, or two other guys be able to do what he's done, and that's physically take over the game. Put your head down, go to the basket, you're getting fouled. Only thing is, he doesn't shoot free throws at a high, mm-hmm. higher rate as Definitely the not. other two. Uh, Kobe and LeBron, of course. Uh, Kobe and LeBron. What am I saying? Kobe <laughs> and MJ. Sorry. But, um, yeah, there's just the ability to physically take over a game. I was telling you earlier, the only way I think people are going to beat him is if they make LeBron shoot free throws. And he's too smart for that. He's going to pass the ball or just start making shots. Um, going back to the MVP argument real quick, I want to, because we are looking, we are talking often about uh, teams winning games, but also the numbers that each individual is putting up. Um, what is your take on the defensive side of the ball for these for these two MVP candidates that we're talking about? And if you want to include Russell as well, um, we talk, I mean, we were just talking about how Harden and LeBron are putting up similar numbers with the nod going to Harden. Uh, but I think on the defensive end, I don't think those numbers are similar at all. I think it's a, there's, I think there is a, a nice gap there. Um, yeah, that should play in LeBron's favor. Uh, LeBron's a better defender than any other person, in that being considered. Because I don't count Kawhi as an MVP candidate this year. He'll be there, and he'll be there for years to come, but not this year. Um, but yeah, on the defensive side of the ball, LeBron does more, and I think that's because his role in his team is to distribute. It's what he likes to do. He likes to pass the ball. Um, so he can exert a little bit more effort on the defensive end, whereas Harden has the key to the offense. Kind of the way their system works is you can't beat us if you can't outscore us. And when you're averaging, what, 57 threes a game by your team, what in the hell? How are you going to stop that, man? And it, it is Definitely. what it is. I think uh, Harden's defensive rating is like 107. I don't know what LeBron's is. I, I would say LeBron's is probably 102 or something because it's, it's per 100 possessions. Right. How many, I, I yeah. have no idea. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want to say Kawhi's is below 100 as well as Draymond, but, I mean, it's hard because obviously MVP is never given to the guy who is the shutdown, lockdown defender because of that purpose. It's because of what he contributes on the offensive end of the ball, and that's because that's how today's NBA works. It's skewed towards the offense. We haven't had a team win a finals that scores like at a low pace since the Detroit Pistons, and that's going on what twelve years? Definitely. Years? Um, and you know, I, I don't know. I can't go year by year and 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 verify that, but I know that that last year's finals, even though the Cavs throughout the regular season might have been a higher scoring team. I know that last year's finals was, was relatively low scoring, especially for having a team like the Warriors play in it. I think uh, I think they put up less than 90 points in, in Game 7, or, or right around there. Um, so so maybe even though that the regular season wasn't like that, that last year's finals was very slow-paced and defensive-minded. Yeah, it's, it's completely based on the pace and how it's played. And we haven't seen a slow-paced NBA in a long time because slow-paced does not work. Like, ask the Memphis Grizzlies. 
I mean, they're in the playoffs, but I mean, they're they're fighting, they're fighting <laughs> tooth and nail, definitely, and it and it doesn't work, and that's what you have to do against teams like the Rockets and the Warriors because they score so much because they give themselves more opportunities to score. It's what's important, and at the end of the day, I, I you know, <laughs> I'm, I, I've obviously have said I like Harden as the MVP, um, but you can't rest games, and. Right, I mean, and I don't have I don't have much to say about that. That's true. I think it is a little ironic that Harden, who came out and said, "Oh, I hope my my coach knows not to tell me to rest games because I'm not going to," uh, then injures his wrist soon after, um, in which he typically might have sat out uh, a few games if he hadn't yeah. just said that a couple of days before. Um, and then, like, we can I want to make a quick jab at Draymond for uh, for actually punching that wrist uh, because he's such a clean player. Um, and probably worsening that injury a, a little bit more than it already was. Uh, so that, that stinks for James Harden. Uh, but he put himself in that position there, I think. So. Well, I, I have to thank you for coming on today. I know I said 30 minutes, and we're approaching the 53-minute mark. And you know that's okay um, because you can't sell something short. You have to be able to get it all out. And with that being said, is there anything else you want to add or plug or whatever? Yeah, of course. So I guess, I guess it just pertains to the MVP argument. You know, I think that, that you can't really go wrong with the, with whoever ends up winning it. I think that, um, even though only one person can win it, there are multiple guys that are deserving of it. Um, and so if it's Russell's triple doubles or it's, uh, James Harden's crazy stats along with, uh, lots of wins, or it or it's, happens to be you know the long shot of LeBron again. I don't think any decision is is the wrong decision. These guys have all have all earned it, and it's you know it's a shame that it can only go to one person, um, and that these these instances didn't happen in separate years, so they they could all win it. So, Bill Simmons has an interesting take on this, and interesting. There you go. Take your shot. Um, <laughs> he says every year the MVP trophy should weigh a different amount versus how good a year it was. And like I, I like I, that. I, I want to say, what did he say? The 2011 year where Derrick Rose won mm-hmm. the MVP, it should have weighed like five pounds. Also, shout out to Derrick Rose; he's going to be the first MVP not to be in the Hall of Fame. Uh, but, wow, I didn't even think about that. <laughs> yeah, fun facts. But so this year's MVP trophy should be like 50 pounds. It's a heavy trophy; like it means a lot this year. Uh, I mean, I really like it. And like you said, there's been a. Uh, I don't want to say there's been five. There's been four guys that have been and put up legitimate MVP cases. There's going to be four guys getting first place votes. Uh, and if Kevin knows? Durant had stayed healthy, maybe there would be that fifth guy. If Kevin Durant's healthy, there's five guys, yeah. and I think he's right in there because he had done a lot. He had you know kept the same production, shot very efficiently. Um, but I know there's going to be a Boston writer out there that's going to put Isaiah Thomas in there. But when you're 5'8 and you're a defensive liability and you can't play crunch time, I'm sorry. You don't deserve to be the MVP. And that's my take. <laughs> Wholeheartedly agree. <laughs> but Look at another thing we, get, we agree on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, very few and far in between with you being a Cavs fan and me not liking the Cavs. Um, but, I mean, it, it is what it is. And thank you again for coming on. I want to thank... Uh, Bold City Records for our intro music. I want to thank, you know, everyone that's been listening to this podcast. Um, if you've made it this far, you might as well stick around for a little two more minutes. Quick, this uh, fill the lane as a whole is going to be going in court of sort of being absorbed by Sports Landing, which is like my website that I write for. Um, you know, for various reasons, and I think it'll work better that way. It will still be like its own thing, but it will be in the Sports Landing podcast feed. That's both in SoundCloud and in iTunes. Um, but yeah, it's it's going to be interesting. I wholly advocate everyone to still listen, and if you are subscribed to Fill the Lane, uh, subscribe to Sports Landing. We do all kinds of sports on there. We're just going to be adding basketball full time. And, you know, it's, it's been, it's great. And thank you everybody. And, you know, follow, follow the other channels and, you know, we'll still be here and around the internet and around the podcast, uh, atmosphere, uh, just under sports landing and, you know, always same host, same music, all of that. And thank you.